horror riffs. Hit us with some of that stoner groove. The riff of riffs. <laughs> it sounds nice. We were talking before the before the show started uh, that uh, this would be a perfect intro to a uh, 70s uh, children's program. Gege Moestad, you said. Yeah. <laughs> I think perfect. it's called Christopher Crocodile <laughs> in English, actually, or something similar. But in Sweden, they had a, a longer title, Christopher Crocodile Gege Moestad. I thought you said crystal for crocodile. Oh, <laughs> no, that's the dark series. <laughs> that's you know, hard after- Breaking Bad. <laughs> hard afternoon. Christopher Crocodile in Giga Moyastad in Mud City. You know, it's it's perfect for that kind Mud of riff. And he comes in there with his pickup truck. He puts the tail in the pickup truck. Mud City! Mud City! In case you didn't know, you're listening to uh, Gain for Riffs uh, with me, Ole Rane, and uh, you, Jonathan. Jonathan Hedlin. John. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, back here again, not weekly these times, but uh, striving to to be current. I don't know, striving to be ongoing, yeah. I guess. I think uh, <laughs> the, the episode quality has been pretty steady when I listen back, so I'm happy about that, even though we haven't been as consistent. Mm. No. I mean, it is what it is uh, right now. And we'll see. Maybe we'll get back to uh, more regular uh, programming, but maybe not. So, uh, <laughs> But you're listening, so that's nice. Yeah, my health is better. Uh, took a lot of time, though. I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know mm. why people haven't. Actually, I'm happy that no one told me how much it sucks <laughs> to, to remove a tooth. But I think also because it was completely yeah. horizontal. It wasn't, you know, it was just the wrong direction, the whole thing. That's why it kept hurting, yeah. and that's why it's like it's still it's, the skull is still readapting. But uh, yeah, I'm not riffing with my teeth. I've done that once or twice actually, just because. Have you tried it ever? <laughs> Have you ever tried it? It's quite nasty actually. Well, yeah, those no, I'm dirty gonna, I'm gonna try, strings. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if uh, I'm gonna try it now. Okay. Uh, you might need some work there. <laughs> I'm never gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna do that. No, again. it's quite nasty, actually. <laughs> it's the aluminium yeah. taste and the, yeah. Uh, th- these uh, strings need to be changed soon as well. So yeah, <laughs> might be something to do with that. Hey, we have a uh, we have a big show today. Uh, I think uh, at least I am very stoked for bringing uh, the riffs that I brought that yeah. I brung. Um, uh, excited to uh, riff them out. But I know that you want to start today, so um, yeah. If there's nothing else, why don't we just uh, kick it? Kick it off, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I've also wanted to bring these couple of riffs in for a while. Uh, they're a little bit out of my normal playing style, uh, but um, it's an interesting act. And uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just kick it off. I got two riffs. I'll just do one of them, and the other one could be a backup. So the first one goes like this. <laughs> Thank you. 
you know this riff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Wait, this is fucking epic. <laughs> You know, it's machine yeah. head, right? A message in the bottle. Message in the bottle, uh, the police. Right? Machine head. Machine head is <laughs> the, the title the is cover. a song by them too, right? I think they have a song called Machine Head. Uh, I'm not super. No, no, the Machine Head, the band had, did a cover of Message in the Bottle. Ah, pretty okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's the police. And, but it's, and it. And it goes, uh, it goes very wide grip. I'll send an SOS <laughs> to the world. <laughs> I also want to try it with the distortion now because you did. <laughs> oh, it's some volume there. You have to live with that. So yeah, yeah. Of course, it's the, the, police. the police. Of course, it's the police. Um, it, it, it's a it's a classic uh, classic riff, undeniable. Quite big uh, grips, you know. All of them have this add nine, yeah. you know. So you got the normal power chords, but uh, always with the ninth. So and then a normal octave on the third one, and then the last one quite a stretch from the second fret to mm. f uh, seventh so it's not that easy to play i've never tried it before but a very cool uh, very characteristic riff right uh yeah definitely it's um i mean uh, okay <laughs> i mean you prepared some stuff but i, I actually i i was uh, planning to bring this in also i kind of lost it uh, along the way because i got excited for other stuff but it, it's a really it's really funny also to to uh it's super fast riff as yeah, well yeah it's quite uh, technical uh, <laughs> and it, it, it also because you have to do this spider grip uh, with your um, with your hands that makes it a bit uh, tougher yeah uh, it's quite wide uh, grip I, I'm not exactly sure how Sting does it uh, in, the, in the original I think he wrote the riff he, he wrote most of the stuff especially as the band got kind of got going uh, but uh, of course, it's a three-piece, right? So it's not all about Sting, even though it kind of became all about him in the end. Sort of. Uh, but uh, the band, of course, is Sting, Andy Summers on guitar, and Stuart Copeland on drums. And um, Copeland is an important character, favorite drummer of Neil Peart, favorite drummer of um. our friend and listener and band colleague uh, Bjorn Andersson. They both have this guy as kind of pinned on the top. You know, he's a mm -hmm. very, very good drummer. Uh, what could you say? And I think if you have a trio like this, we've been on Rush before, right? Uh, we've been on Jimi Hendrix Experience, probably a couple more, Motorhead. You always need to have three strong parts in it. It's not going to work otherwise. But uh, probably that was also the demise of, of this band, that they were all such strong musicians, you know, and they're apparently always fighting. 
Yeah, I mean they they were gonna play, they were gonna record even a sixth album, but they aborted it. They were like, yeah, no, they kind of lost it. And I, I heard uh, just recently that um, uh, Sting went, it came out and said that in when they did their reunion tour in two thousand seven. Uh, like now it's you know the 15 years later he comes out and say for some reason yeah I didn't like it <laughs> it wasn't good it was a bad decision he should not have done it, it reminds me of, uh, uh, of Ozzy Osbourne coming in years after the Black Sabbath reunion and mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't like it I, di- I wasn't comfortable with Tony I was scared all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, no it's uh, interesting uh, I mean yeah he wrote uh, he wrote uh, all the music I think uh, Sting but then uh, Andy Summers had to play this yeah. uh, riff, um, and I think there are some some different. Yeah, I've heard of different ways that he uh, has played it. You know the different uh, tunings, and uh, right now, for for instance, I am um, tuned down uh, one uh, one and a half step, and then it's a bit easier because then you're higher up on the neck, and then it actually makes a whole uh, lot of difference. I mean, here here I am, uh, you know, like. That's where I am. That that's the right notes, you know. Like, but if I have to play it where where you played it, uh, for instance, like over, it's it's uh, immediately harder because you have to do this um, uh, super wide grip. Go, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's easier when yeah, you're in drop intri- because when you're in drop, you reach the the this ninth, this add nine, just by a normal power chord yeah. type grip. Because of the changed mm. uh, intervals, so uh, yeah, so I can think that they might drop it, uh, but I think uh, he did play it uh, this way, the the big grip. Probably yeah. he might have had really big hands as well, so maybe it wasn't a any it wasn't a problem. Um, yeah, but a uh, very good riff, and the other one I brought, uh, I should play too because it's also a classic riff. That was uh, made uh, a hit by another artist, right? Sample it. Can't remember who. Uh, I mean, they, they, it was a huge hit for them uh, yeah. already. Uh, they were, I mean, I, arguably one of the biggest bands uh, in the world in the 80s. Yep. Uh, they, they were huge. And uh, it's in this new wave. Um, uh, I mean, they broke out of that, that whole scene. Uh, like the punk new wave scene by also introducing this um, reggae elements yep. and uh, backbeat. No, how do you say it? Um, uh, reggae world music. That you kind have, of uh, Roxanne, of course, yeah. one of the first big hits with the. That kind of reggae style playing, you know, with bright yep. backbeat chords. Lots of chords. You can tell that they can really can play and. The thing with the with that kind of got me interested in uh, talking about the police is that they started 
in in this era that I really dig, late 70s, early 80s, where everything was kind of happening in a way on all fronts. Like it was mixing and mashing up. So that's why I think sure. they could bring in the these uh, world music influences or uh, reggae influences, uh, Ethiopian, uh, you name it. And also kind of be a punk band because they started with a true punk guitarist. It wasn't Andy, it was a guy called... Uh, um, Italian name uh, Henry Padovani who was like a real punk guy and all his punk friends were like you can't play with these guys why are you playing with them but of course he kind of enjoyed playing with this really good um, uh, rhythm section in Copland and uh, and uh, Stinger yeah. but uh, then they added, added actually they added Andy Summers to kind of bigger the sound and then they realized the sound will be even bigger if we remove Padovani <laughs> So he was out. <laughs> you know, they did the, the old switcheroo, you could say. And then they became the supergroup, and they were hailed as a fake punk band, which is kind of true. Like, everything about them is mm. real, except that the, the punk. They're not really that. But if you look at the chorus in Message in a Bottle, they really go, like, complete Ramones. Like. Yeah. So they still have, you know, they still have the influences of punk, mm. uh, the scene that they kind of arose in, in London, but they were never even remotely a punk band, right? No, uh, no, I mean, I, I I think more of New Wave, which is, uh, you know, they came at the same time, uh, your bands like Television and Blondie, uh, which definitely has uh, punk influences and also like played the same shows. Like for, for most people, maybe it sounded, you know, a bit... Um, you know, it wasn't that far apart, and they kind of worked together as well. And uh, like band members ha- hung out with each other. And uh, it, there's a great book uh, called "Please Kill Me" about that the whole scene, the oh, punk cool. and um, the punk scene and the new wave scene, mostly in New York. But uh, I think they they talk a bit about the police. Maybe they they were you know some they were kind of a bit too uh, flashy, maybe a bit too. Um, uh, a mainstream in a way, or they became, you know, and they kind of went for it as well. I mean, uh, while still, like you say, I mean, there is a lot of like musically, it's quite um, advanced, uh, yeah. and there's a lot of uh, uh, chord changes. You know, not really, you know, like the what you hear on the radio. Um, but Sting has a, has a he has a has a way of turning that into listenable actually listenable music that people can get with so <laughs> i think they're they have something going for them definitely yeah and always that they kind of uh, maybe double double-sided or you know it's just it's not always only what you hear on the surface like in every breath you take that it's a is this huge love song you can find it on when uh, you know the idol the tv show idol when they do the love week usually someone performs this song but still, the lyrics actually deal with surveillance and control, right? More so than actually, you know, more of a stalker theme than a love theme. Uh, every breath you yeah. take, yeah, it's a sto- it's a song about a stalker. Yeah. So uh, it, it's some darkness going on. Uh, message in a bottle. I mean, it's more uh, uh, now it, kind of reach know, out song. I think love song. Just, I'm reaching yeah. out. Yeah, uh, definitely. But. Yeah, but that was their breakout song. I mean, the, before that they had... Uh, Roxanne also, but that was released twice, which is also really interesting to yeah. me, that Roxanne was released as a single, did nothing. Mm. And then a year later, no, again, they tried again, and it, it hits. 
It's interesting. Yeah, but it need what was that? Was it released after uh, "Message in a Bottle" and "Regatta del Blanc" became a hit? Or? Before, I think, but don't, before, no, I'm not, okay, like, you can call me up on it because I'm not like uh, fluent I, in this, in I could, this be, career. Because I, I could, I could, I could see, you know, like the the context of another song can bring, you know, you know, the band into like more people. Oh, finally, get the first song. Yeah, and like also I heard that they uh, did tour, and after they toured the states, they could become big at home mm-hmm. in England. Which is often the case, okay. right? Swedish bands have had this too. Suddenly, they they get bigger in their home country after touring America or something like this. Yeah, I remember when Dungen went to uh, America and like became huge uh, uh, as a as an indie outfit, you know. And the, and in Sweden, they had played like the smallest shows ever, you know. No one knew about them except like a small following, and they came back. Uh, but uh, years later, because they wouldn't play in, in Sweden for quite some years, hmm. uh, then I went to see them. I don't know if you were on that show. It was the Basel Strand, and it was like a success. Like it was really like returning heroes uh, hmm. of some sort. Even though like it was a bit hypocritical from the from the audience, you know. But it, but it, still, it's not. You know, like you you need sometimes. Uh, someone else to tell you what's good <laughs> like some uh, yeah. you know it, you, you 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 see something and you're like yeah i kind of like it but then like when the right person or the right uh uh where they hit somewhere else and then you finally get it uh maybe that was the case with uh, the police as well yeah and i've also heard i heard this in a podcast about creativity they talked about sweden and that what trick that we do here which kind of a kind of a little foul trick is that often we are we're waiting for something to to be tested before we adapt to it. So when it's tried and tested, we take it on and we try to make it slightly better, uh, usually, which is a smart way of doing it. You know, we're never really beta testing anything here. We're just joining in this mm. in the second wave, usually, and with with yeah. some some info. And we've seen possible ways you can fail in whatever concept has been introduced to us. So you know, it's a bit of a Swedish uh, cowardy. Cowardice. Cowardice. Uh, but I think that's an interesting topic, maybe the uh, because I would I would definitely say that uh, Sweden is a secondary country yeah. uh, for everyone. You know, like do you you maybe you want to hit in you want to hit it big in uh, the US or in in Great Britain, like the, the the classic the classic two places, and then kind of you know uh, Germany just comes. As a as a bonus, huge bonus, yeah. uh, definitely. And Japan, I mean, Japan can also be a starting point. Uh, but Sweden, you know, like who who really cares about <laughs> making it in Sweden? Oh, it's nice, you know. Like maybe you can build up a huge following. Uh, I mean, in Sweden, but there is this. Uh, so so bands would come and tour Sweden, you know, and they come back. And but we are like on the same level as Greece and Denmark and the Netherlands. Uh, uh, you know, for bands like Iron Maiden, Bruce Springsteen, who Swedes really think they have a special connection yeah. to, you know, like, oh, Iron Maiden, they really love Sweden. They always come back every year, but they go everywhere every year. They do. And it's not the, you know, arguably Southern, uh, South America is a bigger uh, um, audience, yes. you know. Uh, and, and that uh, maybe is the case that we always get the, sec- the help, second helpings. How do you say it? Uh, <laughs> Sloppy seconds. We get, we don't get, yeah, sloppy seconds. Yeah, not the first helping, but the sloppy seconds. Uh, but I think we we are, we are good at ignoring this. Uh, also. Yeah, ignoring it, and we're, we're also like uh, creating our own 
replies to everything uh, in like in yeah. taking our time to do it and doing it well. So normally, if some mm. really really cool idea of how to make pop music uh, surfaces in England or in the states, we're pretty fast at joining it. And we when we join it, we've also been looking at what they've been doing and kind of mm. fine tuning it while they are out trying and failing. So that's I think a big reason yeah. that we have such huge songwriters and, and bands, you know, all the way from ABBA, Max Martin, um, <clears throat> even in Flames, a lot of these guys, you know, kind of just looking at what's happening, taking their time to do it mm. with less mistakes. So it's a mm. clever way, but, a little bit uh, yeah, cowardly, yeah. but clever. <laughs> there is uh, this whole wave of uh, the, the garage rock scene that became quite big from Sweden with the Hives and uh, yeah. whatever all those bands were called. Uh that that they they couldn't have done it without like the the Swedish um, uh, kassa the the money from the government you know that uh, they wouldn't have time to rehearse as much as they needed to and become something so uh, they always said that the hives always said said that, that we wouldn't have yeah. made it without you know uh, you know uh, how do you say uh, uh, cheating the system yeah yeah uh, using <laughs> but the it's system. kind of built for that also but it's kind of built for that so. I don't know, but it, was there ever a band in in Sweden that was like on the that sounded similar to the Police? Uh, uh, probably not, right? After maybe you know people like Per Gessle probably listened to these guys. I was I was thinking of of uh, of It's completely different, but it's on like the the same size, uh, but in Sweden, everything is relative. Yeah, I thought about Flickorna um, på TV2 because it has this reggae oh, yes, kind of vibe to it. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, but you know what? What riff? Uh, what riff? This. Uh, I'm just gonna play. It. This is what riff, always reminds me when I hear um, um, a message in a bottle. Uh, you know it. Yeah, floods. Uh, floods uh, by Pantera. Yeah. Also, this uh, impossible uh, grip. It's the add nine, you know. Uh, add nine it really creates a different yeah. type of minor, you know. Let's mm -hmm. say, for example, C sharp minor. That's the chord. But then C five add nine. It's a different yeah. type of vibe when you get that ninth in there, which is the kind of yeah, suspension. The, this is exactly, but this is the core of these two riffs. I think the the what makes them. Uh, stand out maybe because it isn't used that much in rock music. Um, uh, I would. I, I don't think like so. Modern it's metal kind of, or something is used, but not in classic rock. No. Yeah. No. And and exactly when uh, when message in a bottle. I mean that that must have been. You know, people did recognize even if you you maybe you listen to music not uh, primarily for the riff. Uh, for the riffs, like most people don't, probably, that you notice this, like uh, this tone that comes out. It really comes out of the speaker and out of the uh, out of the radio. Like among all the other songs, here's this uh, add nine. You call it yeah. right? That just um, you call it add nine because if you do a normal ninth chord, the seventh is in there too. So that's why you say add nine. It's just added. Yeah. Okay. And in this case, added on top of uh, a power chord. So C five, C sharp five, add nine. Long name for a three-note chord, but that's the name. <laughs> and then A, A with the same. And then a normal uh, B power chord with octave. 
and then the, the biggest stretch is the F sharp, uh, F sharp five add nine sliding up to uh, the third. So that's a big chord. Sounds really good, I think. Mm. Yeah. And super sad. And, it, it, and they have the same in uh, in floods. The... Yeah, it goes a bit further. Oh yeah, it goes all the way up because, there. It, it, because it's happier. major, so it goes up yeah. to. Yeah, it's because major. But, um, yeah, cool riffs, and I also wanted to touch on the riff in "Every Breath You Take" because we addressed mm -hmm. the song, meaning how it's kind of double-sided love song, but also a stalker song, and it's in G major. So, but it's already sounding sad somehow, you know. And that's a complete uh, uh, G major, and then of course goes into. Um, E minor at nine, so you have, and if you listen to the whole riff, mm. like, it kind of lands here rather than on the G yep. major tonic. It feels like the end of the song should be. Which is a bit sad, right? Mysterious. And it has a sad <laughs> sound to it, even by being a major song, which perfectly marriages, uh, which is a perfect marriage with uh, the, the, the concept. Mm. Well written. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I mean, he, he kind of, uh, I, th I think he marriages this um, kind of, uh, his, uh, kind of advanced songwriting i would say yeah. <laughs> with with the pop pop sensibilities often uh but then it, at some point he gets a bit lost uh, later in his solo career for instance it, it turns into world music much like peter gabriel mm. and all these 80s um rock band going solo guys they kind of uh, grasp for everything they want to do everything and incorporate everything into every song uh yeah not always, but it's a lot of... It, when I think about Sting, you know, solo career, that's what I think about. It's just a bit too much. But uh, Police, uh, very good band. Yeah, like him a lot. And the album I'm most familiar with is Ghost in the Machine, because I have it here in my vinyl collection. It's uh, from 81. So kind of smack in the middle there. Third or fourth album. I think the whole main career of the band was 78 till 84. Am I right? Not long, right? Yeah. Uh, 77 to 84. And then Reunion, we've already addressed. Uh, but I like that kind of short span career. It's not even 10 years. Often you find very interesting bands with this shorter intenuary, I think. Because just if you have that kind of uh, creative friction that they had in this band, you're going to make good stuff, but probably you're not built to last. What do you think on that? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it, it's. Uh, I think it was uh, pretty clear that Sting, because he, he wrote everything, also hated when the other band members came with ideas. Yeah, uh, it's just like uh, threw him off totally, and he didn't want that at all uh, for his for band, his band. You know? And I heard he always gave yeah. like Andy the 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 evil eye if his solos were too extended. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, he also he famously often claimed that Stuart Copeland was overplaying the drums. Like he, he should be a more of a, he should go into the pocket of a pop, uh, the pop pocket, yeah. Instead of uh, yeah. showing off. So yeah, they had that 
that tension that probably were doomed to end the band already from the start. But then again, you have this great era that they were in, like my current favorite era, late 70s, early 80s. Very interesting, I think. Yeah. Very interesting era. And yeah. But I like that they, they, they sold out even before anyone knew them, yeah. but they were asked to do this um, uh, short commercial for a chewing gum company, Wrigley, and Wrigley asked them to uh, dye their hair blonde with peroxide because that was, related, that was the punk look. Mm-hmm. So they all did that. They kept their blonde hair because it stuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, yeah again, uh, it's good. I mean, you, can't, you can always, only go up from there. <laughs> They're probably the best fake punk band ever, you know. Exactly, and it made me think exactly. about Green Day too, that we discussed before. Also a fake band, mm. a fake punk band, but uh, not as good. <laughs> you know, so it's. Uh, but I, I mean, it's uh, the most punk. Like if if you scratch the surface, you know, like they're all overreaching, all kind of. <laughs> probably, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe not all, but uh, a lot. I want my MTV. MTV, music television, video music, 24 hours a day, and it's stereo. Call your cable company and say, I want my MTV. Uh, but it's interesting, I mean, that they were perceived as fake punk, and they kind of... Uh, also played with that but i think that their music was yeah like you say it was not punk no it was uh related in some ways but um yeah. interesting yeah. nice uh, that you brought i mean it was uh it was just a matter of time i think yeah before someone picked this riff uh, i'm happy that you uh <laughs> you picked the, the police to talk about instead of machine head yeah <laughs> although that's so machine funny it it's a, like it's so stra- it, it's strange with this uh when you go and try and uh, you make the super metal version with the... <laughs> so unfitting, but kind of nice. <laughs> then they do this. Yeah, that's also great. Just uh, C sharp uh, minor seven and F and E major. Oh. A good little two chord cadence. Just, it's a kind of post chorus to end and uh, after the very punky. <laughs> Always this dualism, I think, happening in the police that I like, kind of hitting you from two fronts. It's a, I mean, it's exactly a, uh, a Ramones uh, riff, yeah. uh, that one. Can you play it again? Sheena uh, is a punk rocker, Sheena is a punk rocker, Sheena is. Punk rocker now. Now. Ah, nice. Yeah. 
Well, that's why I wanted to bring in the police a little quicker there, because I don't have a ton of knowledge here. Know a couple of riffs, have an album, and uh, respect the band. Cool band. So, a little bit of a short, short peek into this, Very and good. I guess I should finish it off with the with the riffs too, unless you have more more things to raise. Uh, no, that, that was it. I, I was waiting to to say the the one about uh, chewing gum. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> That's a good one, though. Chewing gum, selling uh, out before before even almost before you could sell out. Well, I'm I'm curious if uh, if Dime uh, Dime Bagdarrell was influenced by this riff. I think uh, he was. He I think he was. Flood, like Flood's it. outro. Uh, let's say he was. Yeah. I, I, we can't ask him, unfortunately. But no. um, yeah. Rest in peace, Dimebag Daryl. R.I.P. As a cast away, I'm lost at sea. Also, his phrasing, his uh, singing style—it's—it's uh, it's, uh, very strange. Yeah, I, 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 you know, like just a castaway, an island lost at sea. Oh, yeah, <laughs> what a lonely day, no one here but me. Oh, but that just works really well. It, it's fantastic how well it works uh, while being so <laughs> supremely uh, strange. It almost uh, sounds like yeah, a trumpet or something. Good you know? stuff. Like uh, and, yes. and I know that <laughs> he, he said that he was influenced by uh, the the reggae style of vocals, the kind of North North mm. African vocal yeah. style. So it's um, yeah, it's a fusion going on there. Good results. Oh, definitely. Okay, uh, nice. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for bringing the police yeah. into the Galen for F's universe, extended universe, uh, always expanding, constantly expanding. <laughs> I mean, we we still haven't redone a band. It's uh, it, it doesn't really baffle me, but we are in at like a hundred artists now. <laughs> That's insane. No, I was wondering. I mean, I was thinking like at some point to uh, to do uh, definitely. Uh, Pantera floods mm, yeah. as, a, as a riff, but then like yeah, it just fits here. I mean, there's so many riffs, so <laughs> you can just uh, throw it away without a mention, deeply hidden. You know, it also works. I mean, if you think about it, how many riffs have we played? It's not just the fifty, no, uh, or or no, it's hundred yeah, exactly. because you t- took one and I took one, but then we also took additional riffs, and then stuff came up. I mean, someone, maybe someone out there who's listening can count them all and uh, yeah, tell us. Like 150, riffs, quite a bit of riffs and almost 100 artists, I think, mm-hmm. because we did some specials and stuff, but uh, and there have been yeah. like the weird filler episodes, but still like we are a, a, yeah, but about in, 100 in, artists. In the, uh, but in Iron Maiden, it was like 100 riffs. That's right. <laughs> right. In Metallica, quite a few too. Nice. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get a, a, a glass of water and then we can uh, get into the next. Very riff. good. 
All right, all right, all right. Where are we going? Ola? Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going down under, but we're also going to Mars. Righto. Here we go. kick-ass riffage right there really cool uh could this be uh king gizzard maybe king gizzard and the lizard wizard mars for the rich i'm not planet B. mars for the rich yeah you're right man definitely uh yeah finally i brought some uh king gizzard and the lizard wizard uh lovely riffage um uh, it feels really good to play this one it's really really a banger uh, from the album Infests, Infest the Rat's Nest, uh, which indeed uh, the first song is Planet B, okay. uh, which I haven't practiced, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> Um, it's their uh, thrash metal album, um, Infest Rat's Nest, came out in 2019. Uh, it was a year when they released two albums. Uh, the first one was Fishes for Fishes, which was this kind of uh, noodly acoustic semi, uh, I don't know, 70s, 70s house album uh, that was kind of fun, but also like very weird. And then they, but then they kind of, came together very surprisingly with this super heavy um, and very good uh, thrash metal album in the in the fall, uh, which I was sold. I thought it was so good. And I, I already listened to them, and I, w- I was a fan. But this was just like on another level. Mm. I think this was so smart. Um, uh, the band uh, is, you know, notable for having released 17 albums in 11 years. They started in... 2010 in Victoria, uh, in uh, on Australia, <laughs> on the Australian continent, uh, they were you know like old friends playing uh, since high school uh, basically. Now I think they, I have the feeling uh, when you look at their videos and stuff uh, that they're staying in the same house or they or at least like uh, spending a lot of time in the studio like making music. That's kind of their their thing, um, especially then the singer. 
main songwriter and guitarist to Mackenzie, who writes most of the stuff. Um, but I also have like se- several of the band members sing and uh, contribute. Um, so it's this um, kind of nice. Now we, we I, last episode we talked, or was an episode before that of the like the death sort of of this rock band or kind of the myth of the rock yeah. band. Um, and I think this is kind of an, an uh, in a way like an uh, it's an honest but very ironic answer to what a rock band is. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna get into that, but. Um, the the riff. I mean, it's such a. I was. Uh, I I had heard it. It came out. It was released like a bootleg, uh, a live uh, bootleg, when they uh, played uh, Mars for the Rich then, uh, for the first time, and that was the first uh, song I heard from the album, and it. I, I felt it was. It, and it's the uh, this maybe not the most trashy song, even though like the verse riff definitely has some. Uh, this super nice. <laughs> Uh, this stuff it's going on, the... but you also have like uh, you have songs like uh, Hell, which is uh, you know stuff like that that goes even further. But I think this one was just like oof, really spoke to me, you know, with the. Uh, with the intro there, and I'm gonna let you talk, but I just got excited. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's a banger. Is it drop D? It's really stuff? good. Like, or is it in E? Uh, uh, sorry, the, the, it's uh, it's in the Black Sabbath uh, tuning, uh-huh. uh, one and a half steps down. Cool. Yeah, that's why it's so chunky. Yeah, yeah, but they, they always had uh, they always played in uh, this tuning, or not always. I'm gonna get to that, but uh, mo- most of their songs and uh, are written and performed in uh, C sharp, C sharp, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is which is uh, strange because they didn't always play this. Uh, super heavy music, but they, um, I think they kind of prefer how it sounds. Yeah, I think coincidentally the same key as Message in a Bottle, C sharp minor. Ah, yeah, funny yeah, enough, yeah, yeah. even though they don't tune exactly. down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's really cool riffs, and uh, I thought about that with the uh, death of the rock band, and like uh, they're actually doing something that I think maybe a lot of guys had in their heads. Like, okay, we are not Metallica, or we're not Iron Maiden, we don't have this. Mm. Uh, cycle we don't have the touring cycle and the release cycle and management mm. cycle that these old dinosaurs have so why not make five exactly. albums in a year everyone can exactly you, know, you can and these type of riffs mm. it's not like you sit and compose them with a feathered pen and ink on papyrus you know you just riff it's gonna be pretty yeah. quick if you have it if you have a good day just uh, you could you know boil up a fresh pot of coffee and start chugging it's gonna and be pretty good. Yeah, and I think if you're not it, it, definitely, and if you're not uh, a Sting, and you can, you know, uh, also use your <laughs> your fellow uh, band members for ideas. I mean, it's gonna go faster. I, yeah, like you said, said they were they got a bit uh, uh, notable for releasing five albums in 2017, 
uh, which I think was very successful. Um, they uh, especially one of their the albums, their uh, flying microtonal banana, which was uh, yeah. uh, re- recorded on this microtonal guitars. Where uh, maybe you know the the science behind that? Uh, yeah, it, basically a double amount of frets. So from one fret to another is a quarter note instead of a half note. Mm. So a semi semi tone, you could say. Exactly, and that la- later they, I mean, they also kind of built their own uh, custom-made microtonal guitars that kind of uh, go, uh, they they have these quarter notes, but they also sometimes have a whole note or a half note, like it's kind of uh, all over the place uh, because they, it's kind of made from how they, uh, Stu Mackenzie liked to write these kind of riffs, which is inter- interesting. So it doesn't really sound like anything else, even though they're influenced by this Anatolian uh, Turkish uh, 70s progressive uh, progressive music, yeah. Um, but also like pop music in that uh, from that area was. Uh, What's the name of that song? Like, uh, serpent or uh, snake? Uh, rattles, rattlesnake. Yeah, that's pretty cool, and they do it smart in that one because they don't really switch the chord at all. They stay on yeah. pretty much one chord throughout, which makes it easier to do the microtonal stuff because it really, really gets difficult when you start to try and incorporate Western chord structures. Then it's gonna sound just mm. out of tune. But if you stay on that drone, like, like I'm on D now, then I could do the little kind yeah. of. Because yeah, of course, dear listeners, you can do microtonal without a 29 fret guitar. You can just bend. We have all the microtones ready at hand on a guitar. You can bend or you can off-tune, offset the strings tuning, but, you know, as long as you stay on a, on a kind of one drone, it's easier exactly. to make it seem fitting rather than switching chords, and that's exactly the trick they did in the, what was it called again, Snake City, no? <laughs> Rattlesnake, yeah. I can see if I can play, play it here a little bit. Like a, a crowd uh, song as well, which means it, it is perfect for this kind of uh, music. Yeah. You know, like it's, uh I feel like yeah. that, you know. Like, uh, um, but they tell quite, uh, they go quite into this uh, microtonal music. So they, they, 
to date they released uh, three albums with microtonal mm. um, uh, songs. So they uh, this uh, in in uh, 2020 in uh, what was it uh, November they released an album called KG, and now just a month ago they released an album called LW, which yeah together spells uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, which returns uh, to the microtonal music, and I think they, um, which was, I think it's kind of maybe the if you think that the trash metal album was risky, I think this is even more risk yeah. uh, of a risk to go back to a like a successful uh, album that kind of you know like was one of many, but in a way it kind of cement when they released that and their whole like five album you know crazy <laughs> release. Uh, uh, schedule 2017 it kind of uh, cemented them as a band like that always goes forward and then by going backwards I think that's maybe the riskiest thing uh, to be maybe to risk becoming st- stagnant yeah yeah but I don't know I, I still I still think they're okay um, but I, I was um, I went to see them right before the pandemic and it was a really good concert uh, I really enjoyed it, but uh, you know, like when you've been hyping a band for a long time, and then you go see them, and then you're kind of, uh, kind of s- satisfied hmm. for a while. Yeah. Uh, you want to kind of lean back a bit and see where they go. You're interested in the next thing, but then they, okay, they release something that's kind of the same. Then I don't know, uh, but there is a, a fat riff from um, uh, the the latest album, and it, it's. I, I kind of I just took it out, you know. It's it's in the weird tuning, the microtonal tu- tuning, but I was like, ah, I can play it. So I I made an attempt. Let's see, it's from the song one. So then, like, when, okay, and then it, it sounds really, it has this, um, because of the microtonality, it, it kind of, uh, it, 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 it does throw you off a bit as a listener, so you kind of have to realign yourself with what's going on, uh, which I think can, can be, it's a good thing, almost like this ad nine that we were talking about. Mm. Um, now when I play it, you know, I, don't, I just make it into a regular sounding uh, uh, you riff. Know, riff. But still, it's not that far away from it. So it's kind of, okay, so what does it bring really to get into this? I think, but what I think it brings to them is um, is getting new ways of writing music, I think. Uh, and and reapplying the, the guitar that they've like been spending over 11 years, you know, shugging out so many records. Uh, you kind of have to uh, think about it in a new way. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought about the microtonal stuff because they use it quite wisely. They they don't incorporate it a lot. When I've listened, I haven't listened to obviously all of the microtonal stuff. So sometimes maybe mm. they go wild, but normally it's just a little flare, you know, it's just in there, mm. uh, just yeah. to make it interesting. And uh, like I think it's exactly what you said that uh, they use it maybe not to have weird sounds, but more so to get inspired uh, in a different mm. sense, you know. Like uh, a lot of yeah. gear talk in some forums I'm on, like uh, the home studio forum, for example, or uh, synthesizer freaks, <laughs> another one. And a yeah. lot of people just accumulate gear 
but they don't make anything with it and they're still asking what what is the best mono polyphonic synth or monophonic synth these kind of questions it's like you don't know what's best because what the best gear is the gear that makes you the best songwriter or player and i think that's a really yeah. important angle that you don't get the gear to show like hey listen to the wackiest noises this guitar can make it's more so to make you a better songwriter or inspire you to mm. to go further in your writing yeah i mean exactly and i think that's uh, that's also the way that they approach uh recording the first album was recorded on an iphone uh for instance but i think they also kept that uh with with doing like if if Stu has an idea like he he records it uh this this the song uh, the track on uh an iphone and then it kind of i couldn't really make it any better i i have to build my song around that yeah. you know and uh it mixes without any um uh sentimentality uh, di- digital and analog and uh different medias to record the music and i think that's very uh it's fresh in a way to to not care so much about that uh to not be a band that only exclusively records analog or you know ha- has the latest tech or anything that just kind of do it and get it done as fast as possible <laughs> just get it to get out there and tour because i think on on uh, live they're like their best oh, yeah. um because they're a big band there are seven members and i should just uh, introduce them uh real quick uh you have Stu McKenzie on guitar so the main songwriter uh, also singing and then on keyboard harmonica and uh also singing um, uh, vocals ambrose kenny smith um and then you have joey walker on uh, solo guitar or guitar rhythm guitar uh cook cray on uh, also on guitar lucas harwood on bass michael cavanaugh on drums and before they all earlier they also had a second drummer eric moore uh, who they also uh, always joked that he lost his bass drum privileges. <laughs> so they always often took it away, so he, he wasn't allowed to play the bass drum. <laughs> but he he is a smart guy. He's the, um, he he is um, uh, he is running the record company Flightless mm-hmm. that was uh, started to release their records, but now they also started releasing uh, since a few years um, a lot of uh, other bands. As well, uh, so they have a whole stable of rock bands, like actual bands, you know. And when I went to see them, uh, there was a band called Stonefield and uh, Orb that were the uh, the how the uh, the opening acts. And they are, you know, they take with them their friends who are on their label, uh, so they kind of keep it tight, you know, in that way. Also, when touring, even over in Europe or in uh, in the states. Um, don't rarely i think go for these um opening acts themselves but kind of keep to the same uh mid-level uh arenas or um, you know clubs to kind of keep it uh, in you know don't they don't want to i have the feeling they don't want to get bigger than that so that they keep their um uh yeah the control yeah I think that's re- really important. This control aspect of it. So Eric Moore, he quit to uh, yeah focus solely on the uh, on flightless uh, records. So yeah, I think that's uh, kind of the their thing, you know, to to keep it uh, yeah keeping control. Even though like every band member has um, a secondary project or several yeah um, 
That's I think that is how you let out steam as well. You know, you, you don't become Metallica where people just want to leave. And yeah, I mean, this is a more more <laughs> yeah. modern approach. I recognize it from the techno scene. It is, yeah. and the techno scene has a lot of labels, and you know, they're not traditional labels that try just to have contact with the um, uh, manufacturers and and the PR agents. They are like really kind of a, a headquarters for that group, and it would be a similar thing that mm. at least two or three DJs. Or artists on a label will come together um, uh, and and put together a show, so they keep it in house or in roster, similar to what you said about uh, what was it called, flight, flightless, flightless, flightless. Yeah. yeah. And they also started late, right? Two thousand seven or something like this. Yeah, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Oh, yeah, the young young guys in their twenties uh, still, and they released yeah seventeen records in eleven years. Hmm. Um. And and uh, but one of the records that I really like uh, was also one of the records that they released in the, in 2017. One of their five records in one year, uh, which was uh, Polygon of Wonderland, uh, <laughs> which is a very like it, it's kind of a throwback, uh, um, a prog type uh, doom record. Uh, that is like all everything is in seven. I mean, they're kind of always you know four four. Uh, Mars, uh, Mars for the Rich is in 4-4 but uh, most of their songs are like in 7-4 mm. uh, as a, like the, the start <laughs> starting off and then they do a lot of 9-8s and stuff like this um, and that record is all, is all in weird time signatures uh, which, which all got me interested but there is a riff there from uh, uh, now let's see uh, I, I'll, I'll remember what it's called I'll just want to play it let's see It's uh, and and the, all the songs flow together in a more um, uh, cohesive way, you know. It's uh, but it's a very relaxed, uh, laid back album, I would say. Uh, a lot of this ep- kind of epic song, but it, it's uh, it's slowed down quite a bit. Um, while uh, uh, Infest the Rat's Nest is just uh, <laughs> going all over the place, and I wanted to get back to uh, Mars for the Rich and um, uh, this album because I, I think it has an interesting. Uh, uh, an interesting theme, and they're they're all like they're, they're all all the albums are thematically linked. Um, they have this big thing called the Gisverse that some of their fans have uh, started to piece together. You know what belongs where, and I'm not going to get get into that. But I think the theme of uh, uh, Infest the Rat's Nest is really like <laughs> it's really good uh, sci-fi theme, perfect for this kind of. Um, um, thrash metal album uh, so it starts off with planet b uh, which ta- which is talking about how the world is you know falling into disarray and uh, you know kind of and this was before corona of course but uh, belonging to the more of a climate uh, change uh, ideas and then uh, in mars for the rich a uh, a man is watching tv and he sees that all the rich people are fleeing to mars uh, or moving to Mars, and but that's not for me. I don't have the money, so I'm just keep on working with this corn that is failing. Uh, but then, uh, and then this um, 
Superbug is one of the songs. The Superbug is taking over and uh, you know killing all the people who are left on Earth. But then they they kind of come up with this second uh, idea that uh, those who can't afford to go to Mars and live on the colonies there, they decide to build a spaceship and go to Venus instead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they realize they come to Venus. Uh, the first the first ship crashes and burns up. Uh, but they're so, and and it's a big failure. But the second uh, comes there uh, uh, because they have no choice. Um, but they also burn up because they go crazy. And uh, Venus is, you know, like a fiery hell. But then they actually open up uh, a doorway to hell, and they fall into hell, which is the last song of the album. And there, Satan uh, greets them, and he wants them to kill all the rich people on Mars. So he opens a gateway to Mars where uh, they will go and infest the rat's nest and kill everyone. And when, um, as kind of a vi- instead of a video of Mars for the Rich, they released a first person shooter uh, in like a Doom style, uh, Doom 2 style graphics, where you go into this uh, big room uh, where there is a podium with the, the sculpture that is, on, uh, that is on the front cover. And you. Uh, you you get a gun and you start shooting rats and then when you start uh, when you get that gun uh, the song starts playing so. It's a, it's a real, yeah, it's a really cool concept. I like how how stupid it is those that they go to Venus. <laughs> like, okay, Mars, I can see. I try to go to Venus and they just burn up. But then they get a second chance to infest the rat's nest, and I think that, <laughs> that's just a funny concept. Funny concept. First-person shooter riffage. <laughs> exactly, Doom too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's uh, I like that concept. I mean, they're I guess they're all vegans. Yeah, it's clearly inspired this, by uh, the they... environmental movement and, and capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that the the thrash metal marries very well with these oh, yeah. uh, ideas, and it also because it's also funny. It's over the top, um, but but I like the the chorus in uh, in Planet B. Uh, there is no Planet B, and um, you know, like, uh, and then when, when in the song Venusian One, uh, it ends with "There is a planet V." What <laughs> <laughs> is? If you're from if you're from Spain, you're like if you're a Spanish fan. It's like what? What do they mean? <laughs> I mean, it's clearly a very VB, like yeah. a cohesive uh, concept. I think it's the, my guess Always. would be that he. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the lead guy, Stu Stu, Stu McKenzie. Probably he just hit the big bong. And then he realized, yeah, you could make this concept, <laughs> yeah. you know, of uh, first-person shooter style thrash riffage with this environmental kind of uh, yeah. despair in the center. You know, it's it's just a very, mm. it's one of those ideas that you don't sit and uh, and uh, kind of try and uh, 
think it th- think it through or from different it, angles. No, no. You don't you don't experiment no, no, that no, much no. with Just it. It's more it. of an idea that hits you and it's complete, and, and therefore you can yeah. um, make it reality quicker. I think. Uh, I think it's not over so too. No, not yeah. too much second guessing no, going on here. Uh, no, exactly, and I, I think that also li- allows for uh, failure, but then to to get back. Uh, you know, I think there's some stuff that I I don't like at all. You know, and then many people think they had this was a low point, but then they come back because I think you, um, a lot when you're stuck in the in the cycle, as we talked about, you're kind of forced uh, to make all the decisions that are the, probably going to be the most lucrative, and like making a uh, trying something out, like. Uh, making it something that will probably fail but could succeed you know that's uh, you just take that away on the before it you go into the studio um, but with owning your music and uh, also like being in charge of the record company uh, or and management i mean then you're you're free to do whatever you want yeah um so i think they got go into got into a nice spot there uh, but uh, yeah, I would also recommend you listeners to uh, not only listen to them, but also <laughs> see some of their videos because they have uh, kind of this eight member, Jason Galia, who made a lot of their videos and they are, they're insane. There was one from People Vultures off of the um, uh, Nonagon Infinity album, uh, which was an album that just, uh, if you listen to it on repeat, it just uh, infinitely loops. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was writ- it, that maybe it's not the most interesting idea, but it's a good album. Uh, but in the in the video for People Vultures, um, the band is kind of stuck in this big uh, seven meter high vulture costume <laughs> where they're playing their guitars, but they come out of the vulture's body like it's really like a paper mache thing, that, and it walks or probably on uh, it's built on top of a car where they're standing. <laughs> It just looks ridiculous, and they 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 go over the countryside, and they are um, approached by these different champions that try to uh, uh, defeat the vulture, but the vulture just shoots them with eye lasers, and <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. it's great. It's stupid. Yeah, it's really stupid. Yeah. So it's like it's perfect. Uh, and they they made an album that where a lot of people were like, "What the fuck?" Uh, called um, uh, uh, "Murder of the Universe." Um, which a, a lot of their Gizverse uh, lore comes from. Uh, and it's really cool songs, uh, but it has this uh, girl who is reciting like poems and like story uh, almost all the time. <laughs> like all, okay, uh, when there's like a break in the singing, she comes in and starts narrating. So people are like, can you release like a version without this? And they're like, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. So they're a bit, you know, like they're, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. But you, you can go and see them live and then you can see the versions without uh, uh, the narration. Yeah, again, which is not fine, too I much think. second guessing. And it made me think about this meme. Uh, it's uh, like a, a photo shot in a boardroom type meeting, you know, suits coming together. And, <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the meme says uh, boardroom meeting to, uh, to um, kind of, uh, uh, it's a boardroom meeting to see how new Metallica riff will affect shareholders. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, this riff, how is it going to affect the shareholders? And that's exactly what you said. Uh, this would be the opposite of right. Not too much second guessing. No, we're not going to do another version without uh, the narration on top of it. You know, there's it's only exactly. forward. There's no like staying yep. and looking around. You keep going forward, and I think it's the modern approach. You can't just. You can't do a band like you can't do a second Metallica anyway. It's probably impossible. No, 
Exactly. What was the, the 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 last second Metallica was probably Coldplay, right? The, the last big uh, arena rock band Fighters, that goes perhaps. through these cycles. Sorry, Foo Which Fighters, one? perhaps. Foo Fighters, yeah. yeah. But Coldplay is like on another. Yeah, I mean, they they were huge, but is there ever ever gonna be a band like that uh, again? Yeah, who knows? I, who I don't. Knows? I don't know if I want it. No, probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but I think that that kind of um, this is could be an answer to where, where you know guitar music is going because uh, there is a lot of guitar on it. But uh, yeah, this is guitar um, music in, in King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh, the band name uh, it was just a they had one minute to come up with a with a name when they uh, went up on stage for their first gig and Stu wanted to call the the band Gizzard Gizzard. <laughs> oh, I prefer, the other, I prefer that. Another, un, another unknown uh, band, uh, band, band member wanted uh, the band name to be named after uh, Jim Morrison, the Lizard King. Mm. And then they, they merged that to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh, which, which kind of... Um, uh, it took me a while to get Not into the band. Name. Because I thought, Not a great uh, name. The, it's an annoying no, this, name. It's a silly name, but when you heard, once you heard it, you remember it. That's the thing. I think yeah. that's just uh, uh, what's brilliant about it. But yeah, it took me a while, but then uh, I was hooked. Yeah, I much prefer Gizzard Gizzard. That's a better name. <laughs> but know. it doesn't matter, you know. Band Lizard name is King. a band name. I've talked about that before when trying to come up with a band name. Everything sounds kind of silly until it's cemented. So just pick a name and go with it. Exactly. All right, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of my take of uh, King Gizzard and Lizard very Wizard, fun. and uh, very fun. Um, gonna play uh, March for the Rich one more time. actually really really good riffs i like yeah. uh, the tense chords building up there really cool exactly uh yeah it's a really good one uh really happy that they made it this thrash metal album i think i hope they actually if, if it's something they would uh, if, if there's something in the catalog they would go back to 
I would hope yeah. it's this, but they're probably not going to do it because they're not listening to other people, So, no. uh, which is a good A thing. cool production also, I might add, before we close off today's Game for Riffs. Uh, the production really works. It has this kind of, it's uh, garage enough without being like a gimmick. It just sounds hard. Like, it hits you hard. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's some, uh, they always really, I mean, they're, they're very good at... Um, uh, getting their fans involved uh, they're often online on reddit and in youtube comments and like now they <laughs> lately started putting out this gear uh you know like this uh, uh gear a gig it was called rig rundowns but they do it themselves uh they just <laughs> sit and yeah, show their show their guitar and like yeah play a whole song you know like very basic but uh quite generous but then they also do these videos uh, before every release, we're with back um, behind the scenes uh, footage and uh, from the recording and and so on. I think that's great, and um, it's a very smart way of involving your audience and getting people hyped. Uh, I think that that's kind of what you had to have to do today. Yeah, it is really. Uh, and uh, I mean, there, there's no there's no right way to do it anymore. So I think just be effective. You know, just do a lot. Mm. Probably better. I think it's we're beyond the age oh. of sitting and second guessing and rearranging and puzzling back and forth. Like you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose track. I think. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just like now thinking of how it used to be with uh, you know an A and R a manager that kind of decides for uh, the record company. Yeah, we decided we're gonna make a record now. You have two months make the records. Then we promote it. Then you go on tour. Uh, then you're free for one week, and then you do it again. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we talked about the ill management of bands in the '60s and '70s, and you know all of that. So, yeah. so really, my, I mean, what was really the heyday of rock? You could think about that because, mm. of course, it was a bigger industry at that time. But now, freedom is is definitely larger. Like you definitely have more room to move, as long as you can survive. Yeah. You know, because I don't think these guys are rich. Exactly, the Gizzard, the Gizzard guys. I don't think they're rich. No, no. <laughs> I mean, they can't afford to buy instruments, I think, and go on tour. Uh, and they can afford only to go to Venus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just a poor boy living frugally. Uh, I see Mars on TV. That place has no place for me. Or, uh, yeah. you know, a yeah, good concept. That, good concept. Good. I like it. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, nice. nice. Uh, thank you for listening, dear listener, to Gaelic Riffs. Uh, yet again, the back, the Riff Boys. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and the Police. Now, it's mm. a combination. Uh, definitely a combination. Um, all right. Uh, internal monologue. Uh, yes. Notwithstanding. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, I'll, I'll riff us yeah. out. I think. Thank you all. Have a good one. Bye bye. <laughs> Kind of modular <laughs> shifts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> nice. Quite bra. Bra längd. Stoppa. inspelningen här.
Underrated for riffs.